Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Welcome to Here to Slay. This is Roxanne Gay, and I am joined by the one and only Tressie McMillan Cotton. <laughs> we are really excited to bring you this excerpt of our show, Here to Slay. And you can listen to full episodes by going to luminary.link slash slay. That's luminary.link slash slay. Pro-Trump supporters rallying near the White House one day before Congress votes to certify the Electoral College results. Walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. I love and breaking news tonight, the deadly siege on Congress as an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol. The images, images are no less shocking, even with the passing of time. New videos now emerge. For the first time in history, the president of the United States impeached for a second time. From Luminary, this is Here to Slay, the Black Feminist We Have Seen All This Shit Before, podcast of your dreams. I'm Tressie McMillan Cottom, y'all. And I am Roxanne Gay. On Here to Slay, Tressie and I normally talk about culture, media, and politics. And this week, well, once again, that choice has been taken from us. We're going to talk about <laughs> politics. I mean, listen, uh, we don't really have a choice, right? The ongoing, slow-moving resurgency of the Civil War is not over. The violence is clearly not over. The rhetoric is not cooling down. Republicans clearly have not gotten the message that the time for playing word games is over. Nothing is over. And clearly, we've got to talk about it. Y'all have been letting us know you want us to talk about it. So, hey, girl. Hey. Hey, Tressie. As we speak, I am writing a piece, probably for my newsletter, about everything that's going on because I keep thinking about accumulation, Hmm. about how for the past four years we have seen atrocity upon atrocity upon atrocity, and now we're seeing what happens when those atrocities go unchecked. Mm -hmm. And... In the past couple of days, a lot of information about the insurrection has started coming out, like some of the details. And, and it's become clear, and I think Black people knew this all along, that this was a highly coordinated thing. Mm-hmm. And they put some sort of like, you know, some morons on the front lines. But there were actual actors behind this. Um, mm-hmm. Ayanna Presley's panic buttons had been pulled Girl, out. Girl, listen, when I saw that... <sighs> I said, okay. We always knew that there was a list, right? That You know, there had been this sort of like talk about the list. And I suspect there is a media outlet right now who's just been trying to verify it. But somebody has it. They've got it. They know who, right? This is why I think some of the rhetoric has changed a little from like the top of the Republican Party because they know something's coming. Something's going down. So this is what happens in big media. When they've got something that inflammatory, they give everybody a heads up. They do. People know. They do. Politicians and stuff know what's coming. It's the rest of us who are speculating. But they know what's coming down the pike. And I suspect that we're going to see a list of names we're already seeing that there was pieces of paper were found on these people that said, if you have problems, call Ted Cruz. And they had Ted Cruz's phone numbers. Like, well, you know, 
Where did that come from? But yes, it has become cre- increasingly clear. The thing about Ayanna Presley's office, the, the comment from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC gets on Instagram mm-hmm. recently. And we should tell you, we're recording this in very real time. Uh, today is Wednesday. I think the House right now is debating whether to impeach Donald Trump for a second time. So this is all really fresh. So uh, AOC gets on Instagram Live and says, listen, I can't give you details, but when the insurrection was going down, I had what felt to me like a life or death interaction Mm -hmm. that made me afraid to trust the police Mm -hmm. and afraid to be around my colleagues. She didn't go to the safe room with everybody else. I saw that. And yeah, she's a tough cookie and she's very open and clear eyed. And I I happened to open Instagram. I was sitting with my parents and my wife and I saw live because just 20 minutes before that, my dad had said, what's going on with AOC? She's been very quiet. And I said, I'm sure she's really traumatized. And sure enough, there she is explaining that, yes, indeed, she's traumatized. And even though she has not shared details yet, something bad happened to that young woman. Yeah. You can just tell like the vitality that you normally associate with her, it's not that it's gone, but it's tempered for now because I think she's truly mm-hmm. realized this is not just, and that's what I'm writing about, this is not just about political difference. These are people who feel so entitled to their white supremacy that they're willing to kill. Mm-hmm. And they're willing to kill highly visible people for whom there will be major consequences. Yep. And I don't even know how to wrap my mind around this. And then now we're finding out that GOP congressmen were giving tours to the insurrectionists the day before to show them the lay of the land. And so that means we have a real problem. And we knew we had a real problem, but the problem is a cancer. And until they root this cancer out, nobody is safe. And I'm worried about Rashida Tlaib and Omar Ilhan and Ayanna Presley, mm-hmm. uh, Lauren Underwood, mm-hmm. AOC, mm-hmm. Cori Bush. Yep. And how do we protect these women? By the way, overwhelmingly women. Women. There is a wonderful, there are a couple of articles floating around. We're going to drop one in the show notes talking about the particular virulent thread of hatred uh, that this mob has for the elected women mm-hmm. in Congress. I think that when, you know, the list is found or we have some sense of, yes, how how coordinated the attack was and who it was really being focused on, I think we're going to see a real gendered pattern mm-hmm. uh, to those numbers. The, the most, you know, aggressive, violent, rhetoric and attacks, because this has long been more than rhetoric, by the way, for uh, the women uh, in Congress who have been saying for years that this is not just nasty emails and internet comments. Mm -hmm. As offensive as those are, they have had additional security and security protocols and procedures from their very first days in public life because it was more than violent rhetoric. That so much of this planning will probably end up being about having very specific attacks on women. When we see the man sitting in Nancy Pelosi's office, the attacks on uh, her as a woman, the the attacks that are planned are almost always about sexual power and sexual violence um, and what they plan to do to these women. I literally can only begin to fathom what the incident was that AOC was referencing. But I promise you, it was so ugly. 
and so gendered and so racialized that that's why it would probably shake her to her core. I, I, I'm willing to put money on that, that once we have details, it will have been something that ugly. She quite literally feared for her life and she was smart to have feared for her life and not to have trusted her colleagues. As the debate is happening uh, in the House today, Roxanne, one of the things that keeps coming back to me um, is how brutal the process is of having to sit there and listen to these, you know, these grand speeches from your colleagues, knowing that many of them had effectively put out a hit on you. Correct. Like, we can't say this in more concrete terms. You have to go to work with people who invited people to come kill you. It's it's horrifying. And I have reached my limit for the hypocrisy of it all. You know, um, Matt Gates, Louis Gohmert, Paul Gosar, these are terrible people. Yes. They are evil, evil people. Yeah. This is not routine. Politic. I was about to say, these are not routine politics and politicians. You know, I, I, I'm, I, I have spent my entire life around conservatives. This, and I, this is not a defense of conservatism in any way, shape, or form. But what's happening now is so far beyond the difference of political opinion. And it's so far beyond Democrat and Republican. It, it really is white supremacy or else. Yeah. Yeah. And I can and I cannot believe that this is a response to a black president. Mm-hmm. The price that we are being made to pay. Mm-hmm. And, and there's precedent. I'm from Haiti, as people know. And the world has made Haiti pay for liberation. For Please say that. 200 Please years. Please say that. And I the think the entire exactly global economy here. has been organized to punish Haiti for eternity. Correct. Because they dared to free themselves. (laughs) And that's what we're seeing again play out now. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I don't know what to do anymore. I don't know what to say. It's just all so horrific. You know what? You know, I said to someone uh, today, and it really is my mantra for right now, and it's going to sound like a cop out, but I'm going to explain the politics of my position on this. White people are black people's problem, Mm -hmm. but black people cannot solve white people. Mm -mm, That's true. This is not a problem we can solve. Tell it. This Mm -hmm. is an in-house intra-family war that will kill us, coincidentally, but in which we have no skin and no sides. We literally lose either way. There is nothing for us to do. We did our part, Roxanne. You know what black people did? They, They elected Democrats in Georgia. They turned Georgia blue. We had done our job. We consistently have shown up and done our job. We rewrite citizenship to make it live up to its ideals. We hold the United States of America to the promise of its own constitution. We create and define and expand the idea of humanity and human rights that makes the world work better for white folks just so that we can live. Mm -hmm. We have done our part. This is this literally what are we going to do? Call the Congress people who are willing to let their own colleagues be executed on the House floor. Why are they going to listen to a black voter? I mean, there's truly there is the the best thing I have decided I can do is to continue on with a black woman's business. And right now, unfortunately, it is not what is happening on Capitol Hill. It's just not my business. You're right. There's just you're right. So during this impeachment hearing that's currently going on, Cori Bush denounced white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And you would that that's not something that's remarkable. White supremacy mm-hmm. should be denounced. And she was booed by Republicans. Yeah. And so 
there's nothing we can do. And a lot of social justice conversations are about what can I do? What can yeah. we do yeah. to change the world? I, you know, it's time for black people to just have a seat. And yes, you're right. Yeah. Just go about our yep. business yep. because we can't do anything to make them believe that we are human. Yeah, there is nothing we can do. That's right. If you are our white listeners, let me tell you something. If you have not chosen a side right now, you've chosen a side. Correct. There you go. If you want to know what it is you're supposed to be doing right now. And, you know, I don't do this kind of thing lightly, Roxanne. You know my thing about I laugh about it. But seriously, I don't do advice and I don't do the council, the new white anti-racist thing because it is not my ministry at all. Mm -hmm. But times being what they are, I'm going to break one of my own rules. And here's what you need to be doing. A visible minority that I think represents probably a silent majority of white people in this country have latched on to the lost cause of the Confederacy, a rhetoric of white idyllic history and past, brought it into the future in your name, in your name. They have killed people, and threatened to destroy this entire country if it cannot be a white first nation for white people first, best, and only. If you have not joined a church, an organization, a bowling league, a wine mom's club, a knitting circle that is not saying expressly, we are not them, then you are them. That's what you need to be doing right now. You need to find your people and y'all have got to articulate something because right now the only flags I see flying are Confederate flags and Proud Boys flags and fascism's flags. And so you're going to need to come up with something that counters it because right now it's looking like the other side is winning and it's going to take you with us. So there's not much for black women and black folks to do. I think we've done our job. This is this is a family conversation. And I think people need to choose sides and they need to figure out who they're going to align themselves with. I do. And I do think it's time for white people to do more than tweet and post on Facebook and, you know, these other symbolic measures that and I've been very cynical about them, at least in my personal life, because I think it's ridiculous mm -hmm. um, because people are dying. People are dying. And. More people are going to die this week. Yeah. I, I, I hope I'm wrong, but, you know, there are like hundreds of National Guard soldiers sleeping in the Capitol. And white nationalist protests organized under Stop the Steal have been yeah. organized in every state yep. in the country. All 50 state capitals. All 50 have been planned. You've got states that are on month. What month are we on here, Roxanne, of uh, COVID? 10. 10, 11. Right who are a year into economic crisis, who have had to draw down their budgets um, for about the second or third year, uh, not just because of COVID, but because of a sort of cumulative economic crises that have been hitting state budgets. And while states don't first turn to cutting things like their um, policing budgets, they do restrict them. And a government, a state government can be so overwhelmed mm -hmm. that they cannot handle the level of coordination necessary to defend themselves against what, are, again, seem to be very well-coordinated attacks. This is 
an opportune time for people who want to sow chaos. It is. Right. This is the moment for shock and awe. You've got state governments, military, police who have been worn down, not by Black Lives Matter, by the way, and the freedom protests that have been happening over the last couple of years, but have been worn down by economic outsourcing and political maneuvering uh, in, at state and municipal levels. They are ill-prepared for the kind of coordinated response and, that they're going to need to hold off on 50 protests across the country uh, at one time that have already planned to be armed and violent and have a violent rhetoric accompanying them. This is a very dangerous time. It's a very dangerous time. I have told my people to stay home. Not that they needed me to tell them. But like, black fuck, I'm telling them, you stay home. I hope everyone listening to this podcast, we did our time and protesting. We took to the streets and we will do so again. But this is not the time. No. Because there's a difference between us and them. We believe in the sanctity of all life. Mm -hmm. And they don't. Mm -hmm. They will kill us and they will be happy. Mm -hmm. There's nothing we can do that will help the situation other than to stay home and to stay safe. I said, And um, I'm actually working on a piece about this, but I've recently done something that will surprise a great many people, but... Again, I'm from Nebraska. What kind and did you get? What kind did you get? Listen, <laughs> I already know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got me a Beretta. Nice. And a Sig Sauer. Yeah. yeah I got I got a cup. My brother is mm-hmm. an avid gun collector mm-hmm. and has been urging my my other brother and I and my cousin, who's basically our brother, to get a gun and to protect ourselves. And I have been very resistant. Mm -hmm. Guns are not my thing. Mm -hmm. I think that if people want to own one handgun or two, that's fine. I don't think people should own Mm AR-15s or automatic weapons. I was about to say, I don't even think the semi-automatics, as a person who has also shot many guns. I think they're all terrible. Let me just tell you, Um, the power you feel when you do that is not something the human body can contain. You're not supposed to do that. You're just not supposed to. Absolutely. Those are are for soldiers. And we are not soldiers. But... For the first time in my life, I have felt the need for an extra layer of protection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I feel some kind of way about that. Yeah. I do. Yeah. And, I feel you. and Debbie is not into guns either. And even she was like, yep, yeah, I think it's time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we live in a really liberal place. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, it's time to stay home. You know, I'm out here in white utopia. That's where I had to move when I moved uh, back home to Chapel Hill. (laughs) My daddy left a gun for his first visit here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could probably walk around his house and just find guns. I suspect he's got them stashed all over. But seriously, like you, my people are from a rural part of the eastern state of North Carolina. Uh, We're from a map dot called Shannon, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. It's not even worth telling you the name. I have grown up with people shooting, and we're a military uh, community. We're on the outskirts of Fort Bragg in Fayetteville, North mm. Carolina. So a lot of my family members, the men especially, had been in the military. This is not uncommon to me. Right. right? So I've never been afraid. Um, I definitely, I think, have a more, like you, sophisticated and articulated position on guns. Mm-hmm. It's a conversation I'm not usually willing to have with people, one, who don't do the kind of work that I do. This is the first thing I tell them. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you don't have white people threatening to kill you every week, like I have had for like going Thank on you. nine straight years. Thank you. Like, I really just don't care about your opinion right. on the matter. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize that 
the Twitter trolls are the mildest of the yes. harassment that yes. we get. Yes. So the Twitter trolls are annoying and I like to highlight them. I've actually kind of stopped, but I like to highlight them to say like, this is what black women, fat black yeah. women, queer women are dealing with online. Yep. But those are the people that are fine. Yep. The people that are scary are the people that call my job yep. and demand to speak to my boss mm-hmm. and then keep calling up the food chain That's to right. the university president yep. to try and get me fired. Yep. One man, when I was at Purdue, I blocked him on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And so he called my department chair mm-hmm. to say that I want to talk to Roxanne and she won't talk to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they've been threatening my dean for the past three months at the University of North Carolina because you want to know what I said a few months ago, Roxanne? <laughs> yes, I do want to know what you said. Uh, in response to Kyle Ritten, whoever, the the mm-hmm. boy who dropped his mama drove him across away with state lines and um, murdered people. I said, if they release him, this will deputize white people to kill us. Correct. That's it. Yeah. I mean, that's so they've factual been, information. Yeah, so they've been calling saying that I said they have the right to kill me. That's what they're mad about. That I said they have the right to kill me. <laughs> they've called everybody from the university president on down, who, of course, I mean, you know, they don't, they don't care. Uh, they're white, so they're annoyed, but they don't care. Uh, but that's not the point. The point is they want me to know that they know where they can find me. Right. So I have had, since I have worked in this job, a security plan for my office, a security plan for my home that involves everybody from the FBI to the local police department to campus security to, yes, my own home defense. And I always make sure I say that part because I need you to know if you come to my house, I ask questions later in a court of law. Correct. I don't ask questions when you're at my house. <laughs> Correct. Like, don't uh-uh. don't let the politeness of me never, fool ever, you. ever, ever. Okay. It will not end well for you. No, in this it will house. not. I'm just. I'm gonna take my chances. I'm gonna take my chances. Roxanne, this and is I where live we with are. A New Yorker, so you don't even need to be afraid of me. Yeah, you do not. <laughs> The little, the little, the, the little loud one is the scary one. That little person well, guess in the what? back. In my house, I'm the little loud one. Something. There you go. Uh, and these are the kinds of decisions that black folk are having to make as routine yeah. parts of their life and their job. And if you have had the privilege of not having to make those trade-offs and those decisions, this is your fight. It is not ours. And frankly, I mean, just put it this way. You owe it to us to show up. You do. You owe it to us. You You really do. And that's all we have to say about that. Listen, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, join us over on Luminary, where you can hear the rest of this episode and all of our episodes by visiting luminary.link slash slay. That's luminary.link slash slay. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.